Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Baruch Shem Kevod Malkuto Le'olam Va'ed Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Tuesday, March 8th. I want to draw your attention to a page on the BridgeConnectorMinistries.com website. It is called The War Room Report. Wake up! The world is at war. It is an unconventional war. It is a cultural war. It is a communications and media war. It is a political war. It is an economic war. It is an ideological war. It is a war for your mind and thoughts. And, at the deepest level, it is a spiritual war between light and darkness, between good and evil, between Yahweh and Satan. Most recently, we had a bioweapon purposefully engineered and then released upon the nations in the form of COVID-19 from the Wuhan lab in China. Stage one was the release of the coronavirus, bringing the nations to their knees with quarantines and lockdowns. Stage two of this bioweapon attack is the mandating of the untested, experimental-use COVID-19 jabs that are administered by a sharp, miniature steel arrow that is tipped with toxic poison designed to change your DNA and weaken your immune system. Stage 3. It is only a matter of time before we go into Stage 3 of the war, when the nations of the earth go to a full-blown hot or kinetic war with military boots on the ground and missiles flying. We are seeing the beginning stages of that now in the flashpoint conflict between Russia and the Ukraine. How do we fight? Ultimately, this is a spiritual war, so we are to fight on our knees in prayer and intercession. We report for duty to our Commander-in-Chief, Yeshua HaMashiach, to the Lord of Hosts, Yahweh Savayot. To join with others in this spiritual warfare prayer battle, we encourage you to get on the wall of intercession with us. You can join us on the wall of intercession every Monday night from 5 to 7 p.m. Pacific on a nationwide phone conference call hosted by Capitol Hill Prayer Partners. Join with many other intercessors from all across the nation as we stand in the gap to pray over emerging news of the day, speaking and proclaiming the Word of God over urgent situations. To find out how to join us, go to Bridge Connector Ministries' website and then click on the Wall of Intercession on the menu. Details are there. We need intel to pray strategically. That is the purpose of the War Room Report, to give the intel you need so you can successfully fight the spiritual war with power and precision. We share practical knowledge, truth, and facts you won't find in the mainstream media world. 
Go to bridgeconnectorministries.com and then click on The War Room Report. New posts go up frequently. You can also follow us on a Telegram channel. Just look for The War Room Report channel on Telegram. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the New Living Translation for the Hebrew Scriptures and for the Brit Hadashah. Today we continue the Torah portion, Vayikra, and it means, He called. Leviticus 3, 1-17 If you present an animal from the herd as a peace offering to the Lord, it may be a male or a female, but it must have no defects. Lay your hand on the animal's head and slaughter it at the entrance of the tabernacle. Then Aaron's sons, the priests, will splatter its blood against all sides of the altar. The priest must present part of this peace offering as a special gift to the Lord. This includes all the fat around the internal organs, the two kidneys and the fat around them near the loins, and the long lobe of the liver. These must be removed with the kidneys and Aaron's sons will burn them on top of the burnt offering on the wood burning on the altar. It is a special gift, a pleasing aroma to the Lord. If you present an animal from the flock as a peace offering to the Lord, it may be a male or a female, but it must have no defects. If you present a sheep as your offering, bring it to the Lord, lay your hand on its head and slaughter it in front of the tabernacle. Aaron's sons will then splatter the sheep's blood against all sides of the altar. The priest must present the fat of this peace offering as a special gift to the Lord. This includes the fat of the broad tail cut off near the backbone, all the fat around the internal organs, the two kidneys and the fat around them near the loins, and the long lobe of the liver. These must be removed with the kidneys, and the priest will burn them on the altar. It is a special gift of food presented to the Lord. If you present a goat as your offering, bring it to the Lord, lay your hand on its head, and slaughter it in front of the tabernacle. Aaron's sons will then splatter the goat's blood against all sides of the altar. The priest must present part of this offering as a special gift to the Lord. This includes all the fat around the internal organs, the two kidneys and the fat around them near the loins, and the long lobe of the liver. These must be removed with the kidneys, and the priest will burn them on the altar. It is a special gift of food, a pleasing aroma to the Lord. All the fat belongs to the Lord. You must never eat any fat or blood This is a permanent law for you, and it must be observed from generation to generation, wherever you live. 1 Kings 7, 13-26 King Solomon then asked for a man named Huram to come from Tyre. He was half Israelite since his mother was a widow from the tribe of Naphtali, and his father had been a craftsman in bronze from Tyre. 
Hiram was extremely skillful and talented in any work in bronze, and he came to do all the metal work for King Solomon. Hiram cast two bronze pillars, each twenty-seven feet tall and eighteen feet in circumference. For the tops of the pillars he cast bronze capitals, each seven and a half feet tall. Each capital was decorated with seven sets of latticework and interwoven chains. He also encircled the latticework with two rows of pomegranates to decorate the capitals over the pillars. The capitals on the columns inside the entry room were shaped like water lilies, and they were six feet tall. The capitals on the two pillars had two hundred pomegranates in two rows around them, beside the rounded surface next to the latticework. Hiram set the pillars at the entrance of the temple, one toward the south and one toward the north. He named the one on the south, Jachin, and the one on the north, Boaz. The capitals on the pillars were shaped like water lilies, and so the work on the pillars was finished. Then Hiram cast a great round basin fifteen feet across from rim to rim, called the sea. It was seven and a half feet deep and about forty-five feet in circumference. It was encircled just below its rim by two rows of decorative gourds. There were about six gourds per foot all the way around, and they were cast as part of the basin. The sea was placed on a base of twelve bronze oxen all facing outward. Three faced north, three faced west, three faced south, and three faced east, and the sea rested on them. The walls of the sea were about three inches thick, and its rim flared out like a cup, and resembled a water lily blossom. It could hold about eleven thousand gallons of water. Mark fourteen one to twenty one. It was now two days before Passover and the Festival of Unleavened Bread. The leading priests and the teachers of religious law were still looking for an opportunity to capture Yeshua secretly and kill him. But not during the Passover celebration, they agreed, or the people may riot. Meanwhile, Yeshua was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy. While he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard. She broke open the jar and poured the perfume over his head. Some of those at the table were indignant. Why waste such expensive perfume, they asked. It would have been sold for a year's wages and the money given to the poor. So they scolded her harshly. But Yeshua replied, Leave her alone. Why criticize her for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor among you, and you can help them whenever you want to. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could, and has anointed my body for burial ahead of time. I tell you the truth. Wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve disciples, went to the leading priests to arrange to betray Yeshua to them. They were delighted when they heard why he had come, and they promised to give him money. So he began looking for an opportunity to betray Yeshua. 
on the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, when the Passover lamb is sacrificed. Yeshua's disciples asked him, Where do you want us to go to prepare the Passover meal for you? So Yeshua sent two of them into Jerusalem with these instructions. As you go into the city, a man carrying a pitcher of water will meet you. Follow him. At the house he enters, say to the owner, The teacher asks, Where is the guest room where I can eat the Passover meal with my disciples? He will take you upstairs to a large room that is already set up. That is where you should prepare our meal. So the two disciples went into the city and found everything just as Yeshua had said, and they prepared the Passover meal there. In the evening Yeshua arrived with the twelve. As they were at the table eating, Yeshua said, I tell you the truth, one of you eating with me here will betray me. Greatly distressed, each one asked in turn, Am I the one? He replied, It is one of you twelve who is eating from this bowl with me. For the Son of Man must die, as the Scriptures declared long ago. But how terrible it will be for the one who betrays him. It would be far better for that man if he had never been born. Psalm 51, 1-19 Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. Because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. For I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you only have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say, and your judgment against me is just. For I was born a sinner, yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. But you desire honesty from the womb, teaching me wisdom even there. Purify me from my sins, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. O give me back my joy again. You have broken me. Now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence, and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and make me willing to obey you. Then will I teach your ways to rebels, and they will return to you. Forgive me for shedding blood, O God who saves. Then I will joyfully sing of your forgiveness. Unseal my lips, O Lord, that my mouth may praise you. You do not desire a sacrifice, or I would offer one. You do not want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. Look with favor on Zion and help her. Rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will be pleased with sacrifices offered in the right spirit, with burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will again be sacrificed on your altar.
Proverbs 10, 31 and 32 The mouth of the godly person gives wise advice, but the tongue that deceives will be cut off. The lips of the godly speak helpful words, but the mouth of the wicked speaks perverse words. Today I want to speak to you from Psalm 51. And in Psalm 51, this is a prayer from David of repentance. And why was David considered a man after the Father's own heart? He was far from perfect. He sinned with Bathsheba and committed adultery. She was a married woman. And then to cover up his sin, he had Uriah, her husband, sent to the very front lines of battle, which was basically a death sentence, so he was a murderer. And yet God still calls him a man after his own heart. Why? I believe Psalm 51 holds a huge key in answer to this question. David had a heart that was willing to repent. When Nathan the prophet came before him with his little parable, and then when David heard the parable and said, This man that you speak of, he must be sentenced to die. Then Nathan said, You are the man. That person is you. And David immediately hit the deck, fell on his face before God, and repented. He was quick to repent when his sin was brought before him. I've often wondered and even questioned the Lord, Father, why do so few people in the world of faith repent? I mean, you know, it's not just that when you first get saved, you have to repent of your sins recognize and realize that you're a sinner, and then receive Christ into your heart and ask him to forgive you of your sins. Repentance is not just a one-time deal that you do only one time, and then you're good for the rest of your life. Repentance is a lifestyle. How often do I need to repent? As often as I commit a sin. And that could be pretty often. The Lord doesn't just look at outward behavior and actions. He looks at our heart. In the Matthew Sermon on the Mount, chapter 5 of Matthew, Yeshua says, You have heard that it was said, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I tell you, if you even look at a woman lustfully and have those kind of thoughts, you've already committed adultery. You've heard that it was said, Do not commit murder. But I say to you, If you are angry with your brother and say, Raka, you've already committed murder. So he's not just looking at the outside with our outer behavior, but he looks at the inside in our heart, our emotions, our thoughts, our motivations. And so it's important that we repent. And Psalm 51 gives us a beautiful pattern of how to repent. In fact, we can even read this from our heart as a prayer to God and then customize it and be specific and include 
what specific sin you or I may be repenting of. But there's a fundamental reason, I believe, why so few people repent. And that is pride. Our pride gets in the way. Our pride says, I haven't sinned. I'm good. And what that does is it hides and covers up all the other sin behind that wall of pride. But when we do repent of pride, then it takes the lid off. It removes the wall. And then we can get to all the other sin hiding behind the wall of pride. So I encourage you in your prayer time, a portion of your prayer time needs to be spent in repentance. When we don't repent, our heart gets hardened. And we become insensitive to the tug and the pull of the Holy Spirit. When we do repent, our heart gets softened. And we're able to hear more clearly. We're more sensitive. And then when we do sin, we realize, ooh, I blew it. I need to fix that. I need to remedy that. I need to make things right with that person. I'd like to conclude with this beautiful song, Create in Me a Clean Heart. It's Psalm 51, put to music. Shalom.
sing it to Jesus. And renew a right spirit within me. Close your eyes and worship. Create in me a clean heart. Create in me a clean heart. Oh, God. And renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from my presence. Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24 to 26. Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.